Things Musicians Don't Talk About is supported by the Royal Society of Musicians. Since 1738, they have been providing vital financial assistance, advice and guidance to music professionals unable to work due to accident, illness, stress or anxiety. Whether you're working as a performer, administrator, technician or teacher and everything in between, they're there to help. If you know of someone in need, you can contact them in confidence by visiting their website, which is www.rsmgb.org, or you can contact them by ringing 020-7629-6137. Support their work by becoming a member or donating today. Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts, Hattie Butterworth and me, Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world, it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of musicians is lost and restricted. Having both suffered in silence with mental, physical and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. No topic will be out of bounds as we are committed to raising awareness for all varieties of struggle. So join me, Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. just like that another month has passed I just can't believe it it feels like everything to do with the podcast that kind of happens on a monthly basis just keeps on coming around (laughs) in a very loving way of course Um, but I am starting to feel with those winter vibes slightly burnt out and like a, a bit on a treadmill at the moment anyway sorry to start on such a heavy note But yeah, we're back. Well, I'm back. This is Things Musicians Don't Talk About. And a little bit later on in the episode, we have an interview that I conducted with just such a brilliant woman, uh, Jessica, who is a DJ. Um, She works with the Voices team and we met on WhatsApp when she, she shared that she wanted to talk about her story with somebody, preferably on a podcast. Um, And yeah, I think our yeah our mutual friend Murphy put us in touch and I was like yeah I would love to talk to you so that's coming up a little bit later um for now you've you've just got me I'm so sorry I'm just gonna do a little monologue um about me about life about um portfolio careers actually so I've actually been putting off recording this 20 minutes I just feel so low on energy at the moment I know it's partly just because it's so dark and cold and I'm kind of going into my winter hibernation mode uh, where I find it very very difficult to get anything done but also to be fair to myself life has been very busy Um, I feel like I'm doing a lot of things for other people at the moment Um, for example uh I'm doing lots of gigs where I'm depping for people or teaching where I'm depping for people. And this morning 
I woke up early because somebody, like a contractor came round because our neighbours wanted us to cut the tree back. And then I uh, lent my bike to a friend's partner. I guess he's a friend as well. David, if you're listening, you're my friend. Uh, And then, yeah, then I went in depth on some outreach. And this evening I'm helping my partner pack or just, I just feel like I'm being pulled in all directions at the moment, which doesn't leave a lot of space for myself, my own self-care. And having, well, in the midst of doing my counselling studies now, um, for anybody that's not aware, I'm doing my level four diploma in person-centred counselling. And because of that, I am just so much more aware of the importance of taking time for myself, making sure that I have enough capacity to give to other people. And I just find myself getting so frustrated again and again and again at how much my people-pleasing tendencies haven't gone away. I know that they're a lot better. This morning I had uh, a student's mum call and they hadn't been in touch for three months. They just kind of disappeared after the summer. Uh, You know, this is the thing about private students and teaching people just disappear and they have so much power over you and that's your regular income so when they disappear it's like what and I we've done all the contracts and stuff but nobody seems to stick to them anyway she called up this morning was like you know I'm so sorry life's been so stressful children have been ill or whatever and I was wondering if you still had time to teach and I'm so so bad at saying no on the phone which is I think generally why I let my phone go to voicemail unless it's something that I think could be a gig because I know that if I have the power to plan what I'm going to say um you know I have the time to think about it maybe write it down or even send an email uh I'm so much more likely to be able to protect my boundaries but answering the phone I'm so bad at that anyway so I was really happy that I said, you know, actually, I'm trying to cut down my private teaching. I don't have much time. Um, And she sounded really disappointed. And I felt my stomach turning and my fists were clenching. And I was just feeling so anxious about it. But I stuck it out. um, And yeah, just said no, which is such a hard thing to do. I mean, especially as a freelancer in any capacity, saying no to regular work even if it ends up being really flaky and you know that that student's family is just maybe a bit chaotic maybe they just need to be a bit more flexible than suits me um yeah it just wasn't going to work out so anyway I'm aware that I don't have much time for myself at the moment which is frustrating because I feel myself going through this cycle again and again and again and what's even more frustrating is that with this podcast you know we advocate for being there for yourself and being aware of your boundaries and being aware of your self-care and you know making a sustainable career for yourself um and the same with counseling you know this is the fundamental self-care aspect of being a therapist you need to look after yourself I mean let alone for the fact that you won't be able to look after others if you don't and I have my own personal therapy where we talk about this so much And I have, you know, done so much work to, I don't know, like, within my personal relationships and my familial relationships to set those boundaries. And yet, here I am again. 
So yes, as you may be able to hear, I'm a little bit frustrated by myself. Um, and I don't know how it's going to change. Partly because we are still in a cost of living crisis and that means having to work more. You can't just decide to work for more money in a lot of cases. You just have to work longer hours or more jobs or I'm doing some cat sitting and some dog sitting for (laughs) absolutely almost no money. Um, But it's just like filling in the free time here and there, isn't it? Which is so, so dangerous. And then on top of that, there's Palestine, Israel, Ukraine, Russia, like all these, this news is so overwhelming and really adds to the feeling of just constant emotional overwhelm which translates into physical fatigue and brain fog and all these things and I feel like I haven't seen my friends in ages but whenever I do nobody's doing that well because everyone's really just the weight of the world is really heavy right now um so I don't yeah I don't have any tips I just wanted to say that I see you if you're feeling the same way and we'll get through this we always do but perhaps we should try and change something at some point so we don't end up here again but who knows um I actually also put out a thing on Instagram earlier today because I was like you know I've got to record 20 minutes of our voices radio slot and I don't know what I'm going to talk about I'm procrastinating can someone please give me a question and um we had a lovely listener ask I don't know if I'm allowed to use their name so I won't on this occasion but they asked you know how do you get into having a portfolio career which in the moment even the question stressed me out I think because everything's so overwhelming right now and I'm really not dealing well with having a portfolio career everything in my body and my brain is going just quit everything apart from one thing and you can just focus on that and I know that that's not how I like to work but it's really pulling me towards that um so when I received the question I wanted to be like don't do it it's a trap but it is you know it's the best way I think to be a creative because I think it allows you you know when it's functioning in a slightly better way than what I'm operating at right now and when you're not in a cost of living crisis I think it can give you room to explore your art Uh, it gives you room to keep things fresh get some perspective um, keeps things really interesting it can be stressful of course and it's like buses isn't it like as soon as you don't have any work and you're craving work then everything comes at once and then it's way too much so of of course there are downsides and portfolio careers often come hand in hand with being a freelancer which as we've discussed before is so precarious and unstable and uh very hard to stick to work life boundaries etc um but I also thought it was an interesting question because I've never really consciously thought or or consciously gone about trying to create a portfolio career mine mine comes from basically being either too scared to commit to one thing or I think more likely it's that I have so much self-doubt about one about anything that I do that I don't want to put too many eggs in one basket because I don't truly believe that that basket will hold out 
Um, so for example, you know, my primary job, I would say, is being a trumpet player. But I kind of don't feel like it is, even though that's what I would call myself. And I think that's what I earn the most money from doing right now. Um, but I've never just been able to just do that. I mean, I say if you could see me I'm doing air quotes around the just because it is such a huge thing in just by itself um but even when I was studying I felt the pressure to do teaching from my very first year that I moved to London to study I had a handful of private students and I was running around all over London to be honest because uh I don't know how many people listening will have done private teaching themselves but especially when you're a poor student with a grotty flat you tend to go to their houses the students houses rather than inviting them around to yours partly because of the grot and also because you don't generally have a a space that you can teach them that's not going to disturb others so you're running around London you haven't valued your own time and expertise well so it's often for not a lot of money Um, and if anybody's listening that's thinking of starting private teaching set your prices high from the beginning you do know what you're doing and if you don't value value yourself now it's going to be so much harder to increase that that per hour rate when you get on like through your career than if you just start it high or at least at the union level you know whatever it is um so going back to what I was saying about portfolio careers I've always felt this need to have something on on the side just in case and part of that is because I've always had people in my life doubting or verbally doubting me to my face saying you know what about have, have you thought about having something else just in case because you know maybe you're not the best trumpet player or there are other people out there or just you know constant uh I mean you know self-doubt is so persistent anyway but when you have other people encouraging you to have a backup plan that can be that can really affect you as well so I've always had that and on top of that the people pleasing aspect of oh I guess I could just add that on like yeah I'll do this for you I'll I'll give it a go even if I don't feel completely comfortable with it I'm sure I value other people's comfort over my own oftentimes so there have been points in my life where I've been teaching, I've been a an events harpist doing weddings and things and I've been an orchestral trumpet player and a baroque trumpet player and I've been um, like uh, things that aren't even a job. I've been, you know, really into running and then really into volunteering and now I'm training as a therapist and I have the podcast and everything. And so... I'm not, I don't know what I'm trying to say with this other than I've never consciously thought about getting that because I think it's so easy to end up doing multiple things because you feel like you should or because you feel like it's the safer option. So I don't know what my advice would be other than make sure, make sure what you're doing is something that you know the intention behind and I think it's totally valid to have something you're doing just to make money so that it funds your other creative venture I think it's sad that we have to do that but you know a lot of people do and make it work 
But if you're doing things to appease other people or keeping on your teaching because you don't want to let people down or you feel like if you're just going to be a performer then you're not giving back enough to the community and so you should be doing this thing that you don't like then don't do it it's just going to cause you so much pain and misery and stress and it's going to be a lot um but the other thing in in classical music especially I don't know what it's like in other industries but a lot of people have secret side jobs. So they have a portfolio career that's really rich and um, very, like very varied, but they feel that they can't let other people know that they have another source of income or a different career because it they people can be very funny about other things detracting from making music. So they'll be like, oh, you know, but when do you have time to practice or... I've heard it. people say things about other people behind their backs thinking, you know, maybe they're not very good or, or they're not good enough to do this thing just by itself. So that's why they've got to work in a cafe or a pub or do coding or whatever. And it's this a very quick negative judgment. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm absolutely sure that it comes from a place of insecurity. I mean, that's why we often bitch about other people, isn't it? Because we're jealous or insecure or we want to deflect attention away from us or something. But yeah, a lot of people don't take other musicians seriously if they're not dedicating 100% of their time to so-called art, um, which is particularly a problem in classical music. And and goes across so many aspects I mean we keep having the conversation about um, classical musicians being criticized for what they're wearing or their bodies or or whatever because uh, certain reviewers will say you know it detracts from the music why would I go to a concert where I'm going to you know my attention is going to be distracted when I could just listen to the the musician at home and uh, yeah it's such a weird thing isn't it like we we want art to be created by human beings. I mean, this is the whole argument, isn't it, about AI, that people always say, oh, but musicians will be fine because people want to hear stuff from the soul. And it's like, yeah, but then let us be humans. Let us be flawed and imperfect and let us show our identities. This is what really grinds my gears about orchestras always having to wear all black or... I don't know tuxedos or whatever I mean that's a slightly different thing and then often the women have to wear all black because god forbid they wear a tuxedo you know or whatever I don't even know the name the name for it uh tails that's the one um but yeah when people have to wear all black and you're thinking but these are the most expressive interesting people doing such an amazing job of being so virtuosic and they've put in so many hours of hard work why wouldn't we want to see how they express themselves and who they are why would we want to just see a sea of you know floaty black blouses and high heels and I I, I get that people want to focus on the music and especially if there's a soloist they don't want to feel like the other musicians are upstaging them I guess but it just feels like such a a weird industry to try and uh, equalize everybody out by putting them all into black clothes or uh, 
asking them to tone down their expression or whatever it is. Um, so that's my ramble. I guess I have almost made 20 minutes, which is brilliant. Well done me. Um, so I'm going to hand over to myself and Jessica in a second. Um, please do get in touch if you enjoy the episode. If you don't enjoy the episode, if you want to discuss something. I really, honestly, I, I love hearing other people's perspectives and ideas and and their experiences within the industry or in other industries. If you would like to get in touch, we are at TMDTA podcast on all of the socials. We've got things musicians don't talk about at gmail.com and our website is www.thingsmusiciansdonttalkabout.com. So yeah, without further ado, let's go over to myself and Jessica. Thanks for listening. All right. Hello and welcome back to Things Musicians Don't Talk About. I'm here today in pirate studios i've never been here you like book a little studio and it's really cool and professional except from i can't work any of the stuff um today i'm here with jessica who is a fantastic dj who i met through voices radio kind of on whatsapp how are you to to jessica how are you to jessica jessica (laughs) how are you today (laughs) jessica it works i'm really good i love pirate studios yeah this is my second home your second home. i mean it's my first home your first home (laughs) How much do you, how much time do you spend here a week? Uh, two, two, three times a week. Yeah. Pretty nice. Yeah, it's nice. Good. Um, so you, well, we first got in touch because you said in the voices chat that you wanted to chat about your own journey with mental health and whether anybody had a podcast out there. And, uh, our mutual friend Murphy was like, yeah, link, linked us up. So to start off, do you want to just give us a bit of a a background of who you are and I mean that's kind of an impossible task for everybody but just give us a bit of a background like what do you do where do you come from tell us the goss yeah of course um ASL um yeah um so where do I start yeah um Murphy yeah she's great um yeah so I have been DJing since um, January this year but I had my first gig in April this year Divine Risen um, but yeah, I actually am originally from Devon, um, but I've been living in London for like eight years now. Um, but yeah, where else am I meant? Where else am I? No, there's no, there's no, no right or wrong. No, I, I mean, I could go, we can go so deep. Well, we are going to go. We are going to go. Deep. Yeah, really we are. Deep. That is, yeah, just getting lost. Already. So yeah, tell us about your mental health law. <laughs> um, what brings you to the podcast today? Tell us what what's your what do you have yeah sorry I, I, yeah I didn't do very well there did I oh, um, you did. No, um so yeah no, the reason that I reached out on the uh voices channel um big up voices radio um Ooh. such a beautiful team the people who run it are amazing um yeah I just basically wanted to open up a bit more about my mental health um just like a just someone I don't know I I basically I saw I watched this video on um YouTube it's a channel Four documentary a short documentary and it was a model called Rosie and you know she's not like she wasn't Stephen Fry where that was like when I first got diagnosed with bipolar um type one that was the only person I really had to look up to um but then she did this documentary recently and she's just uh, kind of you know average model I mean no she's a she's beautiful but like you know what I mean <laughs> an just average model no, no, what I, no, no oh my god that's horrible I didn't I didn't mean it like that but also in, such an oxymoron like yeah I didn't mean it like that um god um but yeah um she's not Stephen Fry 
But who is the best model? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So when I saw her do that, I was like, yeah, I could really like connect to that. And I just thought more stuff about mental health, mm-hmm. the better. Especially, I'm you know, I'm just average as well. So I'm just here. Don't you dare say that. <laughs> Take um, that back. So yeah, I just and also I've had conversations with new people I've met recently, and I and I say that I'm bipolar, and they have no clue about mm. it at all. Um, and actually, I've just recently been diagnosed um with bpd which is yeah i kind of processing still but also i kind of knew it was coming and i'm happy for the diagnosis but yeah that's where my mental health stands so quite a lot it's been going on yeah it's a lot so take us back to when you first realized or first started experiencing bipolar if that's okay <laughs> yeah i got so i got diagnosed with depression in 2011 um i'll cut this story short a little because it is quite long only um, if you want to. No, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of had. I mean, there was a lot went on when I was younger. Um, gender, sexuality related stuff. Mm-hmm. Very confusing time. Um, but yeah, serious mental health issues was 2011. I was 1920, um, and yeah, I was diagnosed with depression. But then they obviously gave me and um, antidepressants, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They didn't work because I was. Well, I didn't know this at the, the time. Wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, at the time I didn't know I was bipolar. Um, and yeah, I I was getting better. I was like, oh wow, life is amazing. Mm-hmm. Life is so good. But it gradually got really good, mm-hmm. really, really good. And then I met my girlfriend and it all went messy. It went really messy. Mm-hmm. Um, spent a lot of money. Um anyway. Cut a long story short, like I said, <laughs> um, this six months got worse and worse, more manic. I didn't know that I was manic. Mm. No one knew what was going on. Did they just me. presume you were like high energy or something? Honestly, I really don't know what people thought was going on. <laughs> I knew that my friends were worried. Like I was obviously, I was meant to be studying at university in Devon, but I wasn't. I was in London just mm. just trotting around the place, just like living, well, living my best life. Like I was living the dream at the time. I was high, just high on life. That's what um, people say about yeah. being manic, isn't it? It they is. Just it feel is like extreme. they're in the element. It, well, I can desc- I've tried to describe it to people as, as like, when you're that manic, thankfully I've not been that manic since because I've been on medication. But like, if you, there's a film called Limitless and there's this tablet he takes and it you basically, it's basically feels like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or like some people, they get so manic, they think they can fly and they jump mm-hmm. um, thinking they can fly. Obviously they can't fly. Um, but yeah, it got real bad for me. I didn't sleep for six days. I remember my uncle picked me up in his uh, in his car and he was like, Wow, what drugs have you done? Like, mm. like what, what drugs have you done? I was like, no, no, nothing, no, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Literally, I'm just love living life. I love my life. Yeah. Um, and I was prominent. I was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was really manic. And then, yeah, I was, um, yeah, about five days no sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember just being near Sharon Cross train station in 2012. Uh, I couldn't tell you what. I couldn't even tell you what month it was. I need to actually look back at when it actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was dark early, so it's around Christmas, I reckon. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I need to look at them dates. But yeah, um, so I remember just like collapsing, seeing a police officer. I was like, where's the nearest train station? He popped, he pointed me in the direction of Sharon Cross. And then I was just like slowly but surely like falling to the floor. Like I was saying, can someone please call me an ambulance? Mm-hmm. And no one did. It's like, Lon- that is London. That, yeah. that is London. They'll sort themselves out. Like I was literally like I was dying. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, this guy was waving across the road and he, I stumbled across the road towards him, blacked out and then woke up and it was like loads of people around me, an ambulance, paramedics. And they were like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm meant to be going to my uncle's in Essex. They're like, well, you're not going to go there tonight. You're going to come with us. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, ended up in St. Thomas Mm A&E. 24 hours later, they put me to sleep after not sleeping for like five or six days. And then the nurse, um, my uncle said, why are you crying? So the nurse, she wasn't a nurse. She was just a woman that sat by my bed. Mm -hmm. Um, But she stuck with me in the hospital and took, she joined me on the ambulance ride to the private hospital that went to, mental health hospital that I went to. Mm -hmm. Um, And she goes, um, they're lucky they're lucky to be alive, like not sleeping that many days. Mm-hmm. That's that's mad, literally mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and then just quickly, like, yeah, what, what was your feeling of like being in the hospital? Like, uh, I imagine I would have been like, there wasn't really terrified. any, there wasn't any feelings. And then I was, I was like shaking up and down. I had like voices in my head. I it was there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember talking talking to the nurses about being trans and. Mm-hmm. I was kind of coming out at that point then um, as trans and they didn't listen to me. They, the nurses didn't take me seriously. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Because they thought it was one of your they thought it hallucinations. Was part of, well, they, yeah, they thought it was part of me being bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that happened there. Mm-hmm. That was a moment. And then, yeah, they took me to... Harrow to a private hospital which was really lovely it was honestly I was so lucky to get into a private hospital I didn't pay for anything it was just because they had run out of beds in the NHS and they Mm. just put me in this hospital and it was um really nice (laughs) something good comes out of it (laughs) met some really interesting people I actually thought the guy that was in charge of the hospital or the guy the lead psychiatrist was Alan Sugar like he looked like him or no i generally it... thought he did look like him but i generally thought i believed it was him i didn't know it wow. was I, I think it was about three or four weeks out of the hospital i was like i'm gonna google him and see if it actually is him i don't think he'd be a good head of a hospital no terrible you're terrible i think discharged. It, yeah yeah ter- point the finger. yeah terrible <laughs> <laughs> i think it is because probably at that time uh, i was probably watching the apprentice um but yeah so i was in there for two weeks it yeah. was a week or so um yeah interesting interesting i thought i was jesse j while i was there uh-huh. um, nothing to do with why i chose the name jessica it nice. just jessica's always sat with me yeah um, for a long time and then how did you get from that point to where you are now what happened um well yeah obviously um, a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> yeah just the one thing you know that's changed between then and now <laughs> uh, medication yeah um yeah, so I left there with a diagnosis of bipolar type 1. It was quite a lot to take in, didn't really know what bipolar was. Um, yeah, left the hospital, um, was kind of just sedated for weeks on end afterwards, um, mm-hmm. kind of got better. Got back into work, um, got, went back to uni after mm-hmm. deferring twice, or no, deferred twice mm-hmm. from uni because of mental health. And Were they understanding? Yeah, they're really good. Do you know what? Everywhere I've kind of really worked has been really understanding about my mental health, which is really, really good. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, where was I? No, no, I was just like, it, it's such a massive story. And it's it's just so, inc- I mean, I, I know it sounds so cliche, but it's incredible that you are where you are today doing what you do. And I know that things are still difficult and that's, 
more amazing to me that you're still experiencing it and wanting to talk about it like we often hear from people that want to talk about it after they've feel like they've completely recovered and it's really special to be able to talk to somebody who is still I mean obviously not great that you're still suffering but it's really really amazing that you're you're comfortable and opening up and being vulnerable about this so thank you yeah thank you yeah thank you I just I've so I've like always wanted to work in mental health for a long time I think from the early days of after being diagnosed with bipolar maybe a few years in I was thinking about it well no I wasn't I was at uni having fun then actually but maybe after that maybe in the last few years yeah um and people would always send me jobs and I'm like oh, I don't know maybe I'm not in the right headspace to be doing that but I think I just want to like especially getting into music recently I just think I just want to try and do it a different way doesn't mean like working on a ward or something but trying to use my experience positively what I'm doing now in music maybe mm-hmm. helping other musicians being able to open up or just talk to each other help each other out is hard mm-hmm. um that's I, the thing like being in mental health or working with mental health takes so many different forms whether it be just being in, an, in a quote unquote normal job but being an empathic person that can listen or being on a ward or being a counsellor or being in music and having that awareness it's I think yeah it, opportunities are endless yeah I remember like once like a friend saying to me like you're really good at just telling when people are not okay <laughs> and like some you know the people who look the happiest also probably aren't always doing the best and um you know I had a, f- a few moments this year where my friends were like I just been I went to a hospital a couple of times this year um and uh, my friends were like oh Jess we thought you were like so happy it's like yeah I know but then it doesn't take much for it to um to change um for you is that it it is that it doesn't take much to change or is it that there's this stuff building up and you're very good at hiding it I do you know what I think it that it, it builds up a lot of the time mm-hmm. uh it, well no for both both I think both because the reason that I went in for a diagnosis of BPD was because my moods were over the years just like obviously it's different to bipolar it is different. Yeah, tell me about what is the difference so but like bipolar is, is a, it is a chemical imbalance in the brain mm-hmm. and that affects your moods and obviously you can get 10 out of 10 mania which like i say earlier like you know being able to fly but with uh bpd um they said i've got like moderate bpd because it can get really extreme mm-hmm. um but it's where it, I just, I'm over, over, over sensitive and emotional to what, to someone else who hasn't got BPD, they would just brush it off quite easily, but where it turns my world upside down yeah. and it might be over the littlest things. And I find I've been really finding that hard to process recently, but luckily like I said, with the diagnosis is helping. Um, you know, I'm not here to collect like mm-hmm. <laughs> a cabinet of mental health issues. Yeah, we're always but... <laughs> like, oh, we got like bingo here. <laughs> but he, he was saying that, you know, um, queer people seem to have, you know, neuro, neurodivergent um, tendencies. And, and he was like, I don't know why that is. I was like, oh, I could tell you many reasons for that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can literally like list five you so right many. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and yeah. yeah, so for you, what does diagnosis mean? It's just giving myself help, uh, helping yeah. myself. Yeah, and you can't really help yourself. Uh, you can't you, until you get a diagnosis. Really, you can't really get the help. It's hard. It's real hard. Yeah. Um, I guess being diagnosed early with bipolar it has helped me being able to work out what you know. I've met, I've managed to somehow 
access to NHS mm-hmm. stuff like a lot quicker than other people, fortunately. Um, Do you but, think yeah. that having a diagnosis, as much as it's difficult, yeah, as you say, it's kind of necessary, at least in this society that we have, the way that it's structured, if there was much more openness to way, different ways people work and different people, different ways people be and do and everything then maybe diagnosis wouldn't be so important but in the very like tick box um society that we have it seems so important to have that kind of like i have this therefore i need this yeah i agree with that i mean i was reading something about i don't know like i should have read more into it but it was saying how like yeah we're here very like on like giving ourselves diagnosis you gotta be careful you gotta be careful with it mm-hmm. um what i found frustrating is just people self-diagnosing mm. um which i get it i get it because obviously it's hard to get a diagnosis so people are just going online but also that can spread false information yeah um you know people just saying this and saying that um mm-hmm. i feel like yeah you know go to the professionals um but yeah so i just realized that we've uh, you've asked me like four or five different questions and it's all gone on different <laughs> going this way no, that it's way, fantastic. Right. Like, that's what i love about these <laughs> this conversations is how my brain works is like, it's beautiful <laughs> um so seeing as this is a podcast about music tell me a bit about music and your life because we did meet for coffee to kind of meet and chat and it sounded like music had had a really positive effect in your life um so yeah, tell me, when did it start? You said you've been DJing since January? Well, yeah, as a lie. Oh, I lied. She lied. I'm a liar. She's a liar. <laughs> no, no. How I, dare you? Well, no, sorry. I've, I started taking DJing seriously in January. Sure. Because I'm really, really, really grateful. And I really look up to my friend Alice because she gave me the opportunity to play uh, Divine Risen this year. Yeah. Um, we had a mix at hers and she was like, Jess, play Risen. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm too scared. And then... Uh, a friend of ours, Kitty, asked as well. And I was like, yeah, go on then. Why not? Amazing. Um, but yeah, no, it started. So I started actually mixing. Well, actually, I had virtual DJ when I was actually in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to do like, I never used to sit in hospital. We're like, like just DJing, like really rubbish. This is music. the original hospital. Yeah, yeah, 2012. I was playing like Chasing Status and stuff. Was, that's what I didn't really have much. I had yeah. like a few, few tunes on virtual DJ. And I was I, about to try and sing some Chasing Status and then realised that I don't know It was anything. the one with like end credits and stuff. It was that one. I've it was definitely like yellow, listened to it. Yeah, it's really good one, that one. But I'm yeah, mostly I a classical know. musician, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, it's the one that goes... But yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I've always been a lover of... Uh, Bumping music. <laughs> it goes with my mental health. Um, I actually find it quite calming. Um, anyway, let's not go off too much. Um, so where was I? Um, how, yeah, yeah how is it kind of? Yeah, so yeah, like I say, virtual DJ was, I was actually in hospital and I was doing this virtual DJ. Mm-hmm. And at the time I thought I was Jessie J as well. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's, it's hilarious. And, um And she's awful. I can't, I can't stand Jessie J. No, sorry, Jessie J. But is it, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that you thought you were somebody that's, you're not a big fan of. Oh, well, I must have been a big fan of her then. <sighs> Next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I was doing this virtual DJ in hospital and I was actually, I thought they were like, it sounds, they, I thought they were bidding on me and like I had to like uh-huh. really, it had to be a really good mix. Okay. And I, and if it wasn't, they were going to like take me away. Okay. I won't go too further, further, further than that. Anyway, so yeah, anyway, go, go on a few years. So this, I think I, it was like 2019 around mm-hmm. lockdown, just before lockdown. 
um got into the idea of doing it lockdown happened got some decks and was just i didn't stop mixing mm-hmm. ruined my neighbor's life um <laughs> definitely got a letter through the door um oh. yeah and kind of just had uh, a mixer like a little controller uh-huh. um on and off for like a few years i was gonna say you're gonna have to explain some of the terms to our more classical audience sometimes. okay yeah so yeah, uh, yeah you said mix co- mixer yeah. controls so, that's, that's good that's yeah, nice we like mi- that a mixer controller yeah plugs into your laptop yeah. do it that way um i really I had no idea what I was doing. I, I, don't, I didn't. I didn't even know how to turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like me in the studio today. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I was doing that for a while, and then I went back to Devon. I was really depressed, and then I gave it up, and I was like, "Oh, this is not going anywhere. I can't be bothered. I don't even enjoy it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm rubbish at this." Um, and then, yeah, I came back to London, um, and I said, I was talking to Alice. I was like, "Yeah, I've done a bit of deep, like mixing, just like drum bass, really." Mm-hmm. Um, told a few people, and yeah, kind of like um, then. Yeah, I had a mix at Alice's. Then I think I bought another controller just around Christmas, but I bought like a proper XDJR. Uh, it put USBs in it, so it's like a little bit harder to mix. Closer I'm nodding to a, like I yeah, know. Closer yeah, to yeah. a proper DJ deck, CDJs. Wow, 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 wow. Perfect. Um, and then, yeah, so my first gig was April 1st this year. Yeah. Oh, what a joke. Yeah, it's been fun. Lovely. Yeah, oh yeah, April Fools. Yeah, I mean no, it's it was April first this year. It was divine divine reason, yeah. Um and when you're making like when you're DJing and making mixes, question mark, is that the right term? Um, like yeah. what is going through your head or what is not going through your head? Jesus. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> um well yeah, it's still, so you when when I'm putting a mix together, um I don't know, yeah, I just kind of just going with it. Um it depends like when I was just practicing for the festival i was just you know finding tracks that would go together kind of planning my set Mm -hmm. kind of planning the mix uh i think it was a good idea for my first first one to have it all set out and i was so nervous but all my friends were there it was great they were Mm. dancing to toxic uh edit it was really good um and then yeah i guess like the more confidence you get and like i mean i'm still so early into djing i like you know so so early and like Mm. i got loads and loads and loads and loads to learn and i'll forever be learning is that um, overwhelming or exciting no it's exciting it's really yeah. exciting yeah and i've got like so many people to look up to um you know i've like i've invited my favorite djs and uh, you know they're my friends for my um for my fundraiser um in january they're they're like you know people i look up to mm-hmm. um what are you fundraising for my voice surgery nice yeah congrats thanks yeah i'm excited and like how i mean your gender and sexuality like how has that been going alongside the music and mental health and everything like if you'd be happy talking about that yeah uh, so let's get yeah i'll just talk about more about the mixes and mental health yeah of course um so yeah how do i feel it makes me feel amazing like when i come into pirate and Mm -hmm. i sometimes i come in uh, sometimes like work depends what time of the day but like i'll just come in and like i'll close the door and like i'm just like oh that feels good because i'm just shut off from the world and i've got really my nice. usbs i can dj and it's great yeah and i love it and i really get into it i come here at nine in the morning playing like 130 140 tunes that's bpm we know what bpm is yeah um and yeah i love it it's like my warm-up i think some people go to the gym i just come to pyro and i warm myself up for the day that's incredible yeah i've been doing that a lot it's cheaper as well in in the mornings yeah um so yeah i've been doing that and it, yeah just it, it gives me so much good energy and like, i've really just put in i've just i think music this year has kind of saved my life in a way not to be like 
cheesy but like it has like I think given that chance to play that festival has really turned things around for me like my friends saw me how I was back in January February and it wasn't nice luckily I've got the most incredible friends ever and they really helped me and got me through it and I wouldn't I couldn't have done it without them Mm -hmm. um but also the music yeah it's helped and like Alice was like right you've got till this time to play this and I just I practiced every day I was working in retail at the time and I was waking up in the morning practicing before going to work after yeah. work I didn't stop I stopped doing stuff I was just practicing 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 mm-hmm. practicing learning how to mix just mix 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 even I've been mixing for a few quite a few years like yeah. I was just still like you know I yeah maybe I just wasn't doing it right but yeah I feel like I'm doing it okay now so it was um, like a direction to focus your energy yeah into. I was just going for it yeah I was downloading like I've spent like I've spent <laughs> nearly one and a half thousand pound on music this year nice I spent one thousand six hundred pound in pirate studios so hopefully pirate, you are supporting hello, the industry hello, hello pirate yes can I have some credit please <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um I've yeah it's really just like just it's taken so much it's just a distraction I'd, it's weird to say like obviously my transition is like the biggest part of my life as well but also I don't want my transness to be my whole life mm. like it is but it, you know I don't want it to like obsess over it and yeah. my transition because I will it will make me sad sometimes because I'm just always comparing myself to other people like I've not got this far blah 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 and, and I guess it can happen in music as well where I guess I've seen myself do it this year like I've only just started DJing and I'm like oh why am I not but then you know a little baby yeah but then also you should never be like that I think I, you know, I've been reading stuff recently and you should just be like Okay, that's really cool that they're doing that. I, I inspire to be like that, and you know, don't be jealous and stuff. You just, it's I think, easier it's said than easier done. said than done. But you got, I think, I'm definitely getting better at it mm-hmm. in both senses, like in my transition and everything. Like, you know, I watch these YouTubers, these like gorgeous girls that have been transitioning for years, and I'm just there, like, oh god, I wish I was like that. But then I got to remember they've been transitioning for years. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And yeah, I guess it's just uh, the music's kind of been a distraction from it all. Mm-hmm. And once you're doing the music, it doesn't really matter. Like, not, again, not to, I don't want to say it's not cringy. It's just, it's like, it doesn't matter what gender, sexuality you are. Music is what brings us together mm-hmm. and it breaks down so many walls. Mm-hmm. I played a gig in Devon. Um, I've hated living in Devon for years just because it's really backwards and I've not felt comfortable there. But because I have started to find myself comfortable in myself over the last year, like especially because of hormones doing their bits, um, I've doing felt really bits. good. Yeah. Um, and I've just felt so like for the first time in my life this year, really started to feel like myself mm-hmm. and it's like the best year of my life. I went to Devon, played this gig and I was like, the headliner was Molly Collins. It was like a drum and bass, like quite mainstream drum and bass gig. It was really fun. So much fun. It was a thousand people in front of me. And I was like, this is like my fifth gig ever. Oh. I'm like, what is going on? My fifth gig was like <laughs> primary school assembly or something. <laughs> I was so grateful for that gig. It was, I got it because it, it, I got, I was playing, I was playing a festival, which was also a huge lineup. I think like Craig David was the headliner. And I was mad of him. At, yeah. And there was like Shy FX and, I was like the second warm-up pack, so I wasn't even the first, second warm-up act. Anyway, it was really good. That's insane. And that got cancelled because of the weather, and I was ah. like, oh, great, here we go. Um, and then, yeah, they were like, don't worry, you can play the after party instead. That's still going ahead. We've got a 1,000 tickets sold. Great. And then, yes, yeah, so I was second on, and the crowd was booming. It was great. And I was really scared because there was a lot of people in Devon, you know, I just thought these people were going to judge me for being trans. and. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They they there was like these eighteen year old, nineteen year old boys coming up up to me afterwards, like, "Oh my god, you're amazing! Can we get a photo together? Can I follow you on Instagram?" And, and, you know, shouldn't judge, but like, this is how it's, I've been made to feel. Yeah. 
And yeah, it was just amazing, just the reaction I got. Um, and like I say, sometimes it just takes things, to, sadly, you just got to do well sometimes to break down these barriers. Yeah. I mean, as much as some of those, like, uh, your assumptions about those kind of situations are maybe negative and then kind of disproved, they are from a place of self-protection. And as like, it sounds like it was a really affirming experience, which is great. And I don't think you were wrong to have those assumptions that then you amazingly did break. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing. Um, but like in general, the community spirit, like the or the community that you work and DJ in, how has that been? Because a lot of our um guests work in music and the the communities that they work in haven't been particularly receptive to their mental health struggles mm. um or whatever, you know, others them. Um when we talked in the cafe, it seemed like perhaps the DJ world had been a bit more receptive to you and more supportive but tell me tell me in your words I don't want to put words in your mouth tell me what you felt about the community that you work in yeah I mean that I I think there is a general awareness that you know I think a lot of us struggle with mental health issues in the music industry um a lot of us are in it because of that it helps helps a lot of people mm. um it's been good yeah it, like I guess it's like everyone that I've met so far mainly has been women and they've been so supportive and like so you know they've just yeah really just like helped me in every single way and it's been really beautiful um I think we spoke about that and it's been a really positive experience so far like I've been very open to certain people and they've just like yeah just welcomed me yeah. with open arms and um it can yeah I guess like I said like every workspace has been good but I was always in my head told that I needed routine and structure in my life um to help my mental health but I'll be honest with you since doing just the music um it's really helped and I've just been focusing on this and like sound creative and it's really really helped I was kind of just shutting myself away doing retail for a long time just because I didn't mm. think I could do anything creative um I did graphic design for a long time I did fashion marketing I really hated that um but yeah I found music and it's it's really fun it's interesting that you say um it sounds it you know, people said you need a structure in your life and routine for your mental health. And it sounds like actually you've kind of found the perfect balance of you're doing something creative, but you have found some structure in it in that you're doing it kind of religiously and, 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 uh, yeah, finding that structure for yourself in it. Yeah, I agree. That is a good way of looking at it, actually. That it is structure in a different, completely different way. Yeah, it's not just a nine to five, because that's yeah. just, in, in, I think for most people's heads, that's what structure is nine to five. That doesn't work for most people. It doesn't. It sucks. <laughs> and it it, sucks, why is that the ideal? Isn't it? It's just, I mean, it's all just a system. It's um, yeah. <laughs> Break it down. Um, but yeah, um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just loving it. And it's, um, it's a graft, obviously. And yeah. um, I don't think it would ever come easy um but yeah i got i'm just really enjoying it at the moment just having fun with it uh -huh. just having fun 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 um i'm also trying to find other avenues i can work in the industry whether that be artist liaison or um what did i just end up going posh that artist liaison, liaison. <laughs> it's kind of french i kind of loved it artist liaison artist liaison, liaison. Um, anyway. <laughs> but yeah I, and like i'm looking to like other stuff as well but yeah i'm really I like doing more radio like i like to do more radio and actually present and not like full-on presenter like but like it would be yeah a bit more talking on my on my shows i don't do any at all so maybe in the future we'll see you're good at talking it's very good. Yeah, it's part of some mental health stuff. <laughs> Can't shut <Slap>. up. <laughs> um, and then, like, obviously you're in a better place than you were, but how does your past 
sit with you now like for me my history of depression and eating problems and everything still feels very heavy uh in me and and like as much as I'm very proud of having worked to get where I am now it it does it does sit there would you do you feel the same do you feel differently yeah um no I feel the same like I realized actually I don't know why it's taken me this long this like I got to this year and I was just sat in my room and uh it's probably the estrogen but like I was just crying a lot this year and I just uh, had a bit of a realization that I'm never going to be fully better mm-hmm. I don't I don't think my, my mental health is going to be fully ever stable um just how it is and they're the diagnosis I've got that it's like a long life um what does that feel like for you um it's just hard work. It's really hard work and you just got to work around it. And I just wanted, that's why I guess it's like spreading awareness, isn't it? Mm. And like, you know, you've got to really be aware of people around you and what people are going through. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's helpful that I felt like this. It means, you know, just got to really keep focused and, um, yeah, no, it's, it can be, yeah, it can be hard, can't it, to process that. Yeah. Um, cause you're just like, this is it. Like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's tiring at times really really tiring but luckily i said earlier i've got the most amazing friends and support network in london right now um who have really really helped me um so yeah that helps um, and, and i know some people haven't always got that so um, i i do i'm really grateful is there anything else that you do to kind of look after yourself day to day aside from djing no i'm just music obsessed nice <laughs> i'm just always finding new songs this is why i'm spending so much money on music yeah how do you find new songs i don't know i just how... use yeah Bandcamp. i just oh. get into like rabbit holes on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah Bandcamp. or just like listening to radio mixes and or just like yeah just like watching just yeah just, just my life is music at the moment it's, yeah um but other stuff yeah i, I walk everywhere i walk 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 all uh-huh. i do is walk I don't take, I try and avoid public transport. I can't I mean, stand it. It's disgusting. Based on my experience getting the bus here, I can yeah. understand why. Yeah. It's not the one. It's not the one. Um, and so just kind of wrapping up towards our final couple of questions. Uh, this is always quite a cliche one, but one that I always find quite interesting to ask. Um, what do you wish either you or somebody else could have told yourself in when you were in the midst of kind of your worst bit you can take a bit of time to think about it if you want um yeah i guess it's going to be okay um i think you know i've I've watched a lot of mental health interviews i think a lot of people say the same um but it's true yeah like i think i still i still need to tell myself that now Mm. like i i find it really hard when i'm in that moment of being in my lowest to think it's going to be okay again Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always telling my friends who are suffering, like, it's going to be okay. Like, you're going to get out of this. And I can't yeah. tell myself that. Um, but yeah, I would just say to like, you know, when it was that bad back then, really, really, really bad, is things are going to get better. And, you know, like, it's a long journey ahead. And it's, uh, that's how it, it's, it's part of it. And um, there is lows and there's some really lovely highs. And you just got to really ride the good bits because the yeah. good bits are really, really good. So uh, you got to enjoy them. That's beautiful such a poet um (laughs) and finally we always ask our guests um if they have a little win of the week um just anything i mean we often have people that say massive things like oh i wrote a book or like oh i did a solo recital in this hall or whatever Uh, i don't think we've actually had anybody say that but anything (laughs) 
<laughs> anything that's just like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm really proud of that. And I don't think, I don't think. Hello. 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 Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, I can't hear. Oh, no, I can now. Yeah. Um, yeah, just something that you're proud of that wouldn't necessarily be recognized elsewhere. Um, I will try and start as usual. I know this question is coming and I never prepare. Um, I'm really happy. Oh, yeah. My win of the week is from last week. Um, I did some recording um, in a, an environment that I really wasn't familiar with. Like it was a different genre of music and like a different um different city different just everything was different and it was way out of my comfort zone and um what's interesting is I like put it all over social media because I thought it was so cool and actually I didn't put the story behind it which was I'm shitting my pants (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm totally underqualified to be here yet it's really cool and I'm really like proud of doing it so I'm so happy for you yeah we're great um yeah have you thought of it, of your win of the week? Win of the week? Um, I didn't go out on Friday, Saturday or Sunday this week. I didn't touch alcohol or, That's so, amazing. or anything. So yeah, I'm really happy about that. That's Do you find it. alcohol's a big... It, yeah, I want to quit completely, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was like this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, completely sober. What did you do instead? I just sat at home being really miserable. Uh... <laughs> no, joking, no, joking. No, <laughs> no it was nice. I, I just, yeah, found some time to myself and um, yeah, just tried to make the most of it um what day are we today monday yes i saw my friend ella yesterday that was nice I was laid in bed eating crap lovely yeah it's great that's the best way to spend a she was hungover i wasn't Ha-ha's. That was fun. yeah that was my win of the week being sober all weekend today. that's yeah. amazing yeah well done um great well thank you so much jessica um if you want to or if our followers and listeners want to follow you on socials and find you in a non-creepy way um tell us how to find you yeah so my instagram is jessica.eva e-v-a dot hands h-a-n-d-s very nice and do you have any like upcoming gigs or anything that people can come and support you at yeah i've got my well actually to be fair now i'm I'm playing my next gig is with got which is going to be fun what yeah i'm I'm warming up for got next saturday not this saturday but the one after wait 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 wait. we need more context (laughs) so yeah he's playing in my hometown devon he's playing in exeter and i was asked by dj yeah he djs he does he's like a personality he does everything he's apparently a good dj so and he is he looks pretty good so I'm really excited to warm up for him. No I'm really excited. Idea. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be my usual tunes. No. It's going to be very housey, so it'll be different. So less it's wob wob. Yeah, less wob wob, more like, I don't know, I can't do that. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be fun. It's different and I like that. Um, but yeah, that's going to be fun. And then my next wob 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 will be <laughs> in Dalston, uh, Dalston Den on the, oh God, 17th, I think it is. Okay, so this should be coming out on the 2nd. Oh no, sorry, Saturday the 18th of November. Okay, so this will come out before then. So cool. if you're in Dalston Den or around or even not even near um travel yeah travel. It's, the well commute. there's free tickets at the moment so yeah free tickets and Dalston is quite well connected so you have no yeah. excuse even if you're half an hour late on the bus like me but yeah um amazing well thank you so much for your time no, and your patience you. in waiting and um yeah so much love to you yeah so much love to you thank you for having me